0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revs opened their 2024 CONCACAF Champions, Camp, Champions Cup campaign with a solid 1-0 win in Panama over Independiente. The Revs could have won by a larger margin. They outshot their opponents 21-10 to and had 66% possession. But regardless, they have put themselves in a good position to advance to the second round. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today in his first post-game podcast is Tom Pinzoni. Tom, how are you today?
1: Doing great. You know, we had uh, an entertaining game, got a good result, uh, some outstanding commentary, and uh, we get to watch it on a streaming app that we didn't have to pay any money for, in addition to the money that we already spend to watch soccer as it is. So uh, all in all, it's a pretty good Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, and I don't know why we're paying $15 a month for Apple TV when the best broadcast of the year is on a free TV service that I didn't learn about uh, until today. Uh, Tubi, I'm a big Tubi guy. Uh, big fan of that product, and I'm definitely going to be checking out before the game. I was watching a baseball game from the mid 2000s. It was Cardinals Cubs. Uh, Matt Morris versus Sean Estes. Uh, those are some real old old players that I haven't thought of in 15 years, and I loved every moment of it. So, big fan of Tubi. Um, also, a great night for me betting wise. I bet uh, the under two and a half goals and under one and a half goals line, and I bet that at Bet Online. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year, as well as CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, with up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs. I guess this is NBA playoffs, but it's also the Champions Cup uh, with in-live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop and your mobile devices. So head to BetOnline today to become part of the team, and remember to use our promo code Believe. B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code believe B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, the game starts here, uh, and the season started here tonight. A phenomenal game, phenomenal result for the Revolution. A lot of questions after a very uh, rough preseason, to put it one way. Uh, zero wins in preseason, but they have a good enough results uh, to start one nothing. In their champions cup. Tom, uh let's get to our key takeaways, which are brought to us by our friends at the Rebellion. Go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can become a member for this upcoming season. Uh but Tom, what was your key takeaway from tonight's game?
1: Uh look the key takeaway is is that you know like you said, you know, we can we can stop worrying about the preseason now. We can uh you know we, we can we can put it in the past and and I I think once As soon as the preseason is not the part of the season that we're in, uh, everyone regains the perspective of these games are not particularly important. The results are not important. You know, it's a new coach trying to implement a new style of play. And, uh, you know, the whole squad gets changed out at halftime for most of those games. And, you know, it's just there's nothing else to really kind of latch on to. So you latch on to anything you can. And then as soon as the season gets started, uh, you know, they 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 you know, they, they dominated the game in all of the, the categories you would want them to dominate in. And, uh, you know, they scored a goal, which was everyone's, you know, biggest concern. They could have, you know, could have had two or three more possibly. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm happy that uh, we're in an actual season now and we can leave the preseason where everybody wants to leave it, which is behind us.
0: Now, I think some people, too, will say one nothing game. You know, this is a team that, truth be told, I knew nothing about them coming into this competition. I still don't know a ton about them, but I could kind of tell that there is a bit of a talent gap. Uh, do you feel that one nothing scoreline, is it disappointing? I know we're talking about kind of the underlying stats, but to me, I, I think they kind of took care of business, and this is a job well done. You kind of come away not conceding on the road, getting the W, uh, but I think a lot of people are going to feel like this is a bit of a let off. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, no, it's first game of the season. Uh, uh, Independiente's is in their fifth game of the season. And look, we can sit here and say, Oh, well it's the Panamanian league and this, that and the other. But like you said, no one knows anything about the Panamanian league or this team. So you can, you can write them off and dismiss them. Obviously there was a bit of a talent gap, but, uh, look, it, it's a knockout competition tournament. Uh, so the, the, the objective is get a lead, you know, and any, any type, a competition like this the goal is the away leg get a goal and don't concede and that's exactly what they did uh, they can find their way back to new england over the next eight days and they have put themselves in a good position to advance to the next round and that's that's all that matters in these not go competitions is you know win advance and and just keep going and see if you can get all the way to the end
0: mm-hmm. and i'll also say too i think it was important for them to come away with a clean sheet it's ravas's debut and really i think if you keep a clean sheet there's really no reason you could advance, even if the ended 0 0. Um, you know, the revs. this should be one way traffic next week with the Revolution. They should win by multiple goals. So, as long as they kept it in a low scoring affair, um, I, I would have been happy. And I think that would have been a job done. But they did a little bit more than that, where um, they really, after, after the first few minutes, there were some kind of shaky moments, but, um, you know, they really didn't give any clear cut chances. There were really no good chances at all a couple of sloppy turnovers that led to some fast breaks that they recovered on but for the most part uh the revs took care of business on the defensive side so even though it can be cleaned up a little bit on the offensive side of things uh, i think they did okay um i'm going to kind of go to a different place for my key takeaway and i was not thrilled when i saw nacho heel starting over esmere I think this is the year of Esmere. I think this is Esmere's breakout year. I think everyone is excited for him to make that next step. And I believe Caleb Porter said he was going to be the starting right winger uh, going into the season. Uh, Nacho Hill gets the start here today. Originally, I was a little, I understand it's a, it's a, uh, you know, CONCACAF game. Maybe you don't want to send a young player out there. You might want to save him for the DC United game. You don't want to load him up on minutes too early in the season. Uh, I kind of understand that, but I was a little disappointed Nacho got the start and Nacho proved me wrong. Uh, a great secondary assist uh, to Vrioni on that long ball that Vrioni flicked on to Sean uh, That was a great, great play uh nacho had two runs in the first half one of them was cut out by uh the the defense but another one uh you know he was straight on goal bit of a bad touch we can kind of blame the field for that one it seemed like he just couldn't really control that but if he controls that he's got a clear shot on goal uh and he's probably going to score as well 85 percent pass accuracy he had 49 touches in about 63 minutes um seven recoveries. Uh, He was eight for 12 on ground duels. uh, And he also was fouled five times. Uh, He had a pretty solid impact in the game. And for a guy that I think a lot of people thought of being a backup player, uh, not someone who you really want in the starting lineup. And is probably going to be depth later on when Dylan Barrero comes back. uh, I I thought he had a great game and I thought he was a bit of a game changer in this one.
1: Uh, Yeah, I look, I was a little surprised that uh, that nacho started but you know like you said i think there's a little bit of wanting to protect Esmir uh and and not have him out there from a start not knowing you know uh how these type of games can go how how physical was it going to be uh you know you saw a couple of players get hacked down in the first half you know the game never really get out of control uh but you know in, in those types of away game situations uh, you know, it, it's always a possibility. So I think it was probably just being just being a little safe and, and just kind of keep the young kid out there. Easy way to get yourself kicked over, kicked all over the field is being 18 year old trying to show people up. That, that usually doesn't go over too well. And uh, I think you can see Nacho's experience. Uh, I'm sure Nacho, you know, back in Spain has has come up against plenty of tough defenders. And uh, he clearly knew how to he knew how to handle himself. He get on the ball quite a bit. Uh, he had a strong game. You know, had six passes into the into the attacking third. And, uh, you know, he, he got one guy onto a yellow card and I think it was about 30 seconds, right? He took him one way, took him another way, gets himself a yellow, uh, you know, so just the kind of crafty, smart little stuff that uh, that he can bring when he gets an opportunity to play.
0: Yeah. And I believe that yellow, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going to screw these names up, but I believe that was fields who later on, I forget who he fouled, but he he almost got a second yellow card in the first half. If I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so yeah, no fields,
1: uh, fields probably should have been sent off on that second one. Um, Um, to be perfectly honest, though, at that you know at that point the game was still zero zero. Uh, I don't really know that you actually want the opponent to go down into ten men at that point, because you then give them an excuse to, you know, play a four four one and just sit everybody inside of the eighteen, uh, which might have been you know more of a challenge for them to break down. No, but Hill, Hill turned a guy one way, got clipped in the ankle. Uh, the guy kind of flipped out about it and then 30 seconds later the ball comes to him and he'll took him the other way. He fouled him again and he got him a yellow card. So uh you know that that type of stuff again I don't know that people pay too too much attention to that. But like you said, you know, picking up picking up fouls five times mostly in the other team's half uh you know that that helps the team uh you know keep their momentum going.
0: For the record I would have taken the power play in the first half. <laughs> uh he did get subbed off at halftime too. I did notice that uh, Yeah. they got him out of there quick. Uh, he, he seemed like Fields seemed like someone who the Revs um, had the upper hand on, too. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets the start in the second game uh, or if they mix things around because Fields certainly um, was asking to be sent off. I thought Murillo, too, uh, in that second half, the referee goes over and has a heart to heart with him, doesn't card him. Goes goes you know really heart to heart has a, has about a minute chat with him and then maybe like thirty seconds later uh, you know Murillo goes right back into chocolate and, and follows him and forces yellow card out so um some some pretty good a- aggression from uh from the home side here but uh, let's get to some listener questions um, those are our key takeaways I think we're gonna do this in live time. Uh, we're getting these questions as they roll in, so these are not very organized. Hopefully, they cover everything uh, we want to talk about. Let's start here. Let's start with the goalkeeper. Thoughts on Ravas Questions from Ryan. Thank you for the question, Ryan. Uh, Ravas comes away with a clean sheet in his first game. Not really challenged too much. I don't think I learned a whole ton about Ravas tonight, but what do you think, Tom? Uh, what was your first impression of him?
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he was fine. I mean, Like you said, there wasn't a whole lot for him to do. Uh, you know, there was one moment in the second half where the revs were, uh, they were caught out a little bit. They only had two guys back and there was a a switch of play, uh, from the right side to the left side of the field. Looked like maybe that was going to be an opportunity for, for Independiente to create a, a, you know, a quality chance. Uh, and he was quick to come outside of his penalty area and clear the ball away. Uh, Other than that. Yeah. I mean, not, not too much to do, you know, for him to do, he didn't make any big mistakes. Uh, You know, so yeah, he looked pretty solid in that one moment of, of a little bit of tension there. Uh, You know, he was, he was quick on the spot and, and cleared the ball away and, you know, resolved that situation.
0: Yeah, 10 shots uh, for Independiente. Two of them on target. I don't think, I don't remember either of them being too threatening. I remember one shot went wide that I thought maybe Ravas was a little late to react to, but there was really nothing too threatening. They didn't seem like they were able to really get in the box too much. Um, Yeah, so there's not a ton. I'm not super impressed with Ravas, but uh, did enough. I I think if Earl Edwards or Jacob Jackson was in goal tonight, they're still probably coming away with the shutout. So I'll I'll put it that way. Uh, TBD for Ravas and we'll see how he does. I I assume he's going to get not challenged that much in the home lake too. I think we'll learn more about him uh, this week against uh, DC United. Uh, let's go to probably the player I'm most negative on, and that's Mark Anthony K. Alden says K is not that good. Um, a couple times he there was one time he was just passing in a triangle in the first half and he turned it over, and that led to like a three on two the other way. Luckily the revs were able to recover it. I think that led to a shot that Andrew Farrell blocked. He lost another pass as so he at one point that led to a turnover. Um, K, I, I think. You know, I, I, wasn't too thrilled with his performances last year. Um, not really thrilled with this performance here. I don't think this was a great first impression from Kay. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kay? Any disagreement there?
1: No, uh, I mean, he was, he was fine. You know, he wasn't, um, you know, look, he certainly wasn't horrible. He, you know, he wasn't spectacular either. Uh, Okay. Yeah. He gave the ball away a couple times. Sure. Uh, but you know, he's, he's 41 of 44 on his passing. So he can, you know, completed 93% of his passes. Uh, you know, he was on the ball, you know, a, a decent amount. He had 10 passes into the final third. Uh, you know, look, he didn't really stand out. Uh, but I also didn't see too, too much to really be concerned about. I don't think he was any better or worse than Polster uh, or Buck when, when they came into the game either. Um, you know, it, one thing I think was, was surprising, uh, you know, just talking to everybody in the blazing musket chat over the last couple of days, it, it there's a lot of different combinations of what people think should be out there in those two positions. But I think the one combination that people really weren't counting on was Polster and K, uh, cause they're both, you know, a little bit more defensive minded. Uh, you know, so I, I was kind of surprised to, to see that both of them out there at the same time. And I think you kind of see that at times that it, it I don't know that you really necessarily need both of them out there at the same time, but uh, yeah, K was fine. They weren't really tested all that much. Uh, Polster wasn't tested all that much either. And and I don't really think uh, either one looked any better or worse than the other.
0: Mm-hmm. I I should also add to I have here at the 44th minute K had a, a header that just went off wide uh that was a Carlos heel uh corner kick so K almost opened the scoring if he does uh maybe we're having a bit of a different conversation but uh yeah so K we won't see him this weekend uh due to the red card um that he he earned in the playoffs last year uh but I'm guessing we will see him in the home leg uh, at home um, I, we, I know Ian Harks and Buck both came on later on. Do you think who, who do you think we're gonna see this weekend against DC? I, I think probably I, I guess Buck. I mean he came straight on for K. So um, I guess if we're going off of that assumption, maybe that's the switch there. But um, what, what do you expect to see in the central midfield or what would you roll with against DC United?
1: Uh, well those are those are two different questions.
0: Uh, <laughs> Answer both. Answer both.
1: I I I'm assuming that, that you know that, that Buck is gonna get the start. Um, it, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if he put, if he puts Harks and buck out there, because that was the other combination, uh, that of all the combinations that, that could be put out there between those four players. Didn't really hear anyone saying that you will actually, you know, that you want Harks and buck out there at the same time, but uh, you know, that, that might end up being what it is. It certainly won't be K obviously because he's suspended, uh, you know, so maybe, maybe Polster tries to go, you know, maybe the first 60 minutes. And he's paired up with Buck, which is, you know, those two out there at the same time is is my least preferred pairing. Uh, But that's that's probably what I think it'll be on on Saturday. But I I would really like to see Hark start to get, uh, you know, some some starts here uh, in the early part of the season.
0: Mm-hmm. Revenge game for Ian Harks, by the way, this weekend against DC United. Uh, Steve McGrogan, uh, how do we feel about Nick Lima? Uh, he also says, does Buck and Esmir get saved for the season opener? We kind of talked about Esmir um, not getting the start over Nacho. I feel like Buck is probably the same thing, although there's an incentive to play K since he is not playing this weekend. So um, I think that makes a little bit more suck for, uh, sense for, for why um, Noel Buck did not start in this game. But uh, getting back to his question about Nick Lima, what were your first impressions of him? Uh, positive, negative? What would you think?
1: Not impressed. Uh, I, I thought he struggled quite a bit in the game against Philadelphia last week. Uh, you know, we talked about that on on the last pod, and I just kind of chalked it up to well, you know, it's it's one game from a not so great camera angle in preseason. Uh, he look he uh, he held his width really well tonight, which is a a human being's ability to occupy space is is one skill that most of us have. So he he was able to do that. Uh, you know, he pushed up high and early in the possession which allowed Nacho to drift centrally and get on the ball uh but you know when the ball came to him I you know, I don't know he, he didn't really do too much with it I didn't he didn't really look uh too apt to to carry the ball forward on the dribble uh, some of his passes were a little shaky uh I, you know y- you can blame the turf if you want but when you see other people able to connect 10 and 15 yard passes and and he isn't um uh, yeah just not not terribly impressed uh and you know I I think the the purpose in acquiring him was that, you know, By and Jones are, are the preferred two outside backs, and he would be someone that would, you know, rotate him when needed. Uh, but, you know, he's potentially going to be needed quite a bit. Kessler is is hurt, and it's, you know, undetermined as to when he'll be back. Bai isn't going to be back until late summer. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully Lima can can kind of build from uh, what is a, a very low base that he's set in the last couple of games.
0: Mm-hmm. It's also, too, you mentioned the field. I thought uh, we talked about it a little bit before the show. Um, not I, I don't think it was the greatest pitch in the world, but you could tell some players had some trouble adjusting. And I think most you mentioned Nick Lima, you know, looked worse than some other players. I think K, too, was another player that had some issues with the pitch. It seemed like some people got their feet under them at some points, um, but some didn't. And, and Nick Lima and, and Mark Anthony K were two that kind of stood out to me. Uh, also, Caleb Porter said after the game that the field made things difficult uh, for the Rams. <laughs> Come uh, on. I mean,
1: not the best really first game. You're going to come out and blame the field. So he's not going to blame injuries, but he's going to blame the field.
0: Well, Caleb Porter also said that Brioni had a strain that kept him out a week uh, and a half in preseason. So I don't know the questions there. So I don't know how much of those are blame or how much he was uh, directly asked about. But uh, he he did mention that Brioni had a strain that kept him out uh, a week and a half of preseason. And while we're talking about Brioni, what what were your thoughts about him up top? Obviously, he got the assist uh, on the Chancellor goal. uh, But again, uh, and he hit the post. He hit the crossbar in the first half, uh, but still no goals from Brioni. He still does not have a goal in a road game for the Revolution. Uh, What were your thoughts on him tonight?
1: Uh, yeah, look, I mean, he, you know, he nearly scored. It was a good chance. Uh, he, he got himself in, in, into, you know, uh, himself into a couple of, of good positions. Uh, you know, wasn't quite able to get the shot away. Uh, you know, the the little the little flick on header uh, that set up the goal. You know, was nicely done. Uh, you know, so yeah, not a not an outstanding performance from Faroni for sure. Um, and yeah, I actually hadn't realized that he never scored on the road until I saw that before the game started. And um, you know, so that's that might also be in his head and it could just be one of those things that when he finally does get a roll goal, he can kind of get that, you can get that off his back and, and maybe kind of, you know, uh, relax a little bit in front of goal. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, not great, not horrible. Um, but you know, but like, like I said, last week on the pod, uh, you don't, you're not necessarily going to be, be super reliant on him to score goals. And I think one thing that we saw tonight that was, that was really interesting is that anytime play was building up on the right, uh, Chonkali was, was coming in centrally almost like a, a second striker coming from a wide position. Uh, so that that might have been one of the few, you know, wrinkles or whatever you want to call it, uh, that we, you know, that we're seeing in early days here from Porter. Uh, and, and so that potentially is going to take a lot of pressure off of him. Uh, you know, all he had to do tonight to produce the game winning goal was slightly notch a ball off the top of his head and knock it on to Chonkali, who was making a good run from a wide position. So, yeah, uh, not horrible, not great. Uh, But, you know, he helped get the he helped get the goal that they needed. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And and as I say, I I think that, you know, we had this issue with Buxo where he kept hitting the crossbar when he first came over. And, you know, I I know on the score sheet, it's, you know, a miss is a miss. Uh, But that was a pretty solid header. And that's a part of a game that I've criticized before. Uh, So for him to get an early chance uh, certainly was promising. Still seems a little bit behind his runs still seem a little bit off but it was nice to see him uh, contribute he had four shots tonight none of them on target but it did hit the post 21 touches uh in 76 minutes um did did have two passes into the final third uh was dispossessed once um but he was he was fine tonight uh will be interesting to see if he's able to get on the board uh at home in the home leg uh while they're playing weaker competition uh we did get a comment here from Bubba Dubs he says Veroni was half a step away from some of those crosses he needs to anticipate those played positive and was way better uh than would when then uh bobby Wood, uh we still lack depth up top. Um I thought Bobby Wood was fine. Um and Bobby Wood is no good for uh, opposition defenses. We learned that from the commentary tonight. That's that going was, to be that was good. That that, that is going to be said to a lot bobby on this on. podcast.
1: Yeah. Uh the substitution to put Bobby on the field just for that comment alone was was worth it. Uh yeah uh just, just going back to Veroni, you know he, uh, he only attempted eight passes. So uh, you know, Porter identified. He kind of contradicted himself. Actually, he said that Varone, uh, you know, is, is is capable and pretty good at holding the ball up, and then turned right around and said, uh, "But it's something that you know that he can still improve on," which I think is a very nice way of saying he's actually not good at holding the ball up. Uh, there was one time tonight where the ball came to him, uh, the ball came to him came into his feet. He had, I think, he had two. At least two, if not three, options to just simply knock the ball back and then spin out and make a run. Uh, and instead, he kept the ball turned and and was going at basically their entire back four all by himself. I, I don't, I don't know that that's really an effective uh, approach for for most strikers to turn and go at the entirety of another team's back four uh, with little to no support. So hopefully, that's something that Porter uh, can identify and, and and you know show that clip to him. Like, look, when we're talking about holding the ball up and laying it off, this is what we're talking about. You've got, you've got, uh, you've got Nacho and Carlos behind you, knock it back to them, spin out, make a run, and and, and they can get you the ball in a better position. So, um, but yeah, Wood, Yeah, I mean, you know, he wasn't out there for too, too long. And I, you know, I thought he was, he was fine, but again, you know, good, but not great, but not horrible. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Paulo said, "I thought Heel and Vrioni looked rusty, uh, but I guess some rust was to be expected. Are you disappointed? We won by only one. We talked about at the beginning of the podcast. actually, I, I think Vrioni, you can kind of say, you know, a- again, not a world class performance, but I thought Carlos Heel." Hill- Did have a pretty solid game overall. He had a couple of through balls that were set up nicely. And again, if Nacho Heal is able to handle that pass in the first half um, and is able to uh, slide it past the keeper, uh, then the Revs have a goal in the first half as well as the second. We're talking about a 2 nothing game. This is a lot more uh, of a comfortable margin. Um, I I think Carlos had a a pretty solid game overall. Maybe not the world-class, you know, eight key passes type of game, but five chances created, uh, 70 for 77 passes. That's 91%. Um, he almost set up K on that corner kick. Fifteen passes into the final third. Uh, four for four on dribbles. I'm just looking through the stats here. I, I thought he actually had a very very solid game. Five for six on ground duels. Uh, so I, I disagree with Paulo on Carlos' heel. Uh, but I get kind of the Verrione comments there that he looked a little bit rusty. Uh, anything to add on Carlos before we move on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, if that's a rusty night for Carlos, then you should be really happy about that. If, if you know, if him only. Yeah, you know, he, he put he put Nacho in for what, what was nearly a goal. Uh, he almost slipped him in earlier uh, as well. The ball was, you know, the, just cut out. Almost got through uh, to Nacho making another, you know, a nice little short little run in behind the back line. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if that's an off night for him, great, uh, because that means that there's a lot more to come, uh, and and we'll have plenty more of the the Carlos that we're used to.
0: Yeah, zero assists from Carlos Hill tonight. Uh, yeah. Terrible. <laughs> uh joe asks while we're on brioni will brioni still be the nine at season's end uh a mid-season replacement is probably difficult to do but i have seen enough uh and then he also sends a uh, photo of andrew harrell in andrew farrell in the Farrell hat uh which is a very good meme uh, andrew farrell uh if you were if you were listening to the commentary you know about andrew farrell i don't need to explain andrew farrell it's kind of fitting because andrew is always very happy uh but let's get back to the question Will Vrioni still be the number nine at season's end? That's a very good question. I'll, I'll, the Revs are collecting gam, and we'll talk about that. They made a trade today. Um, they're they're collecting gam. It seems like they are not going to be stagnant at, at, at the middle of the summer. So if Vrioni struggles, I wouldn't be shocked if they go out and they make an improvement. I think they probably should have looked at getting another striker of some sort this past season. Um, but I, I think they're giving Vrioni a chance here at the beginning of the year, and if he's not going to be able to do it. I wouldn't be shocked if they go out and get a mid-season replacement. So it really comes down to, is he going to convert and is he going to be a difference maker? And I'm not so sold on it. I don't know if you're able to get Vriotti off the roster or if it's going to be kind of like a situation where you just, you know, bench him and eat it and bring in someone else, but uh, they should have some, a Tam level signing type of ability to make um, in the middle of the year or so. And I, I think if you're going to make that type of signing, it is a striker. So um, I'll put the odds on like I'll slightly lean no that Vrioni is the number nine at the end of the season. Uh, do you want to take a bet on that one, Tom? Um, no.
1: I mean, look. It, so you know, th- this guy has seen enough, and okay, but um, Kurt and awful hasn't, and Kurt is big on him. So you know, th- there seems to be some way to go uh, in convincing in Kurt and and Porter uh, that they need to look for you know an, another alternative and. That's that's the easy part. The easy part is, okay, we need to bring somebody else in. Okay, so if they acquire some, you know, if they acquire some MLS crypto, maybe they can make that happen. Um, But moving him on, this is the conundrum that they have. You know, people can talk, well, we need to get rid of him. Okay, you're currently going to move him on for nothing, because no one will take him for the money that he's currently on. So if he starts to do well, you're not going to want to get rid of him. And then people might want him. And if he continues to do poorly, People are going to continue not to want him, so you're stuck with him because he makes a lot of money. So, again, like I, I spent a lot of time talking about one player, um, but that's basically what it is in a nutshell. You, should, however, however sold you are, that that you've seen enough, and this guy is you know, he's not going to make it and so on and so forth. It, it is in your best interest as a Revs fan that he does make it and does do well. That is the best case scenario. And I think he's going to get every opportunity to prove that because of the, the money that they've invested in him.
0: It's certainly tough to get him off of the roster. So you're not going to be able to bring in another designated player. So that's, that's going to be the issue of where are you going to get that upgrade? Cause if it's going to be a TAM level player, it's not going to be so cut and dry. Uh, we did get one more question here on locomotive crayon flag FC. Porter has effectively hitched his cart to Frioni for better or worse. Big <laughs> statements of support. No reinforcements at striker. Big hole there last year, etc. A bold move based on what we saw this evening. How do we see that playing out this season? I feel like we we just answered that. Big hole last season. There was a big hole at striker last season. Yeah, they started up very
1: well. Bo couldn't stay fit. Like yeah,
0: but Bo's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Vrioni and Wood and Wood had a bit of a hot streak last year. Vrioni has games. He looks fine. Vrioni has games where he looks great, but he also has a lot of games where, you know, no road goals. So it's going to be a matter of if he's able to lock in that consistency. And I don't know. I just haven't seen it. It's been a year and a half. We're we're still waiting on it. I'm not confident. I'm not confident. Though. Where else are we going to go? Uh, someone made a comment. Sean yelled at Esmir for not passing to him and then apologized after he got subbed off. I didn't see that. I was probably reading through departed quotes. Um, did you notice that at all, uh, that Calais, uh was uh, a little feisty with Esmere? I didn't realize that.
1: No, I, I – who, who cares? They're they're professional <laughs> athletes. No, but really, like, they're professional athletes. Like, occasionally they want the ball and they don't get it, and they express that to their teammate. Uh, and I would imagine 99 times out of 100 they move on, and you could probably ask both of them about that tomorrow, and they'd be like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Hmm. Glad he apologized. That's a nice guy. Yeah,
1: Brian, uh, I mean, it's like – Okay. I mean, but like, you know, Hill does that quite a bit. You know, he just has this look on his face. Like, how do you not understand that that's where you needed to run? But I mean, it's just, it's part of, this is their job. You know, they traveled, uh, what, 2,300 miles to play this game. So, you know, yeah, you get frustrated sometimes when you're at work.
0: Oh, I know I do. Um, (laughs) got a ton of questions about the commentary. Josh says, who the hell was doing the commentary? He says it was distracting. It was distracting, but it was awesome. Uh, I for- I'll i get the name of the commentator here in a second. Uh, but, uh, yeah, amazing commentary. We also got another question here from Justin's iPhone. Was this the greatest commentator performance of all time? Freestyle rapping, Mitt Romney, Miami Sports, The Departed, uh, and Andrew Farrell. The list goes on and on. Uh, and also, Trey says, any relationship between Dave Romney and Massachusetts Republican senator slash presidential Con- candidate uh, Mitt Romney? Um, phenomenal performance from the commentary. Um, at first, I think it was a little kind of annoying, but a little confusing. I got Sergio dip vibes of what exactly is happening here. Um, But as it went on. You could. I assume he was in on the jokes a little bit. I don't know if he was checking Twitter and realized that he was absolutely crushing it, but um, I was cracking up in the second half. I enjoyed him bringing up uh, family ties when Hark's was coming on, and <laughs> he mentioned, oh, Nacho and Carlos are brothers, and he paused, and just that pause, that was perfect comedic timing because everyone was just hanging on the, like, waiting for the Mitt Romney reference, and he delivered. Um, perfect commentary performance. Um, I, I wish he did every single game. And um, I'm gonna. I, I have the urge to watch The Departed. I gotta admit, I I really I think I'm gonna watch it tomorrow uh, while we wait for the next DC game. Uh, any comment? Any any commentary on the commentary?
1: I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, the only look, like, the only uh, the, the getting Farrell's name wrong. That that that's kind of annoying. Uh, the rest of it, it's fine. Look, th- this is a guy talking to himself. For the better part of two hours if i had to talk to myself for two hours i i i don't even i don't even know where that conversation would go i might start talking about how you know, you know money creation and how banks uh you know tra- transact money between each other i mean it would, I, the rabbit holes that you can go down in a two-hour conversation with yourself or you know uh you know, he was good he was entertaining you know i, I you know i do appreciate the not being lectured to about what we're supposed to be thinking about the soccer game that we typically get, um, you know, quite often from the, you know, the, the, the analyst that just sits there and just tells us what we should think about everything. I'd much rather have just one guy just winging it, making references, you know, checking Wikipedia in real time to see if Dave Romney is actually related to Mitt
0: Romney. Yeah, this is great. That's the funniest part is that there's one Tubi employee that's sitting next to him. And at one point in the first half, he slipped a piece of paper to him that said Mitt Romney is a distant cousin of of, uh, Dave Romney or David Romney, as he was saying Um, that. I also thought there was one point, too, that he said Andrew Farrell's name correctly and then went right back to Andrew Farrell. So I don't know if he misspoke and accidentally said his name correctly or if he said it correctly and then somehow became aware of the joke, and then went back to Andrew Farrell. There, there is layers on top of this commentary tonight, but it was. Phenomenal. Yeah, I would like
1: to get to the bottom of 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 how that happened because you get everyone else's names correctly. You know, he was he was pretty emphatic
0: with his uh, with his lies. He was really like he got Esmer's name right. <laughs> yeah, right, like. <laughs> He's, well, David Romney. Um, I, I thought David Romney was incredible. Um, but yeah, you, you do get a pronunciation sheet when uh, with the game notes. So I don't know if just he skipped over Andrew Farrell or if that was just a running gag that he thought was funny. And it was. Uh, but you, you also hit the nail on the head. Two hours of talking by yourself um, is not fun. You're going to go a little bit crazy. You're going to go a little bit delusional. If I had to talk for two hours... On this show, and I was just doing a two-hour solo podcast, it would ended me freestyle rapping. And that's why I bring <laughs> on people to make sure I don't get into hip-hop. So, um, but yeah, f- phenomenal performance. Fingers crossed that he will be doing commentary next week. Um, yeah, great job. I need to get – I'll look up his name too here. I want to give him full credit so everyone can follow him on Twitter. Uh, Porter, last question here. In your opinion, how will the Revs blow it? next thursday a nice pessimistic question to end the game to end the podcast i can't see them blowing this game thursday famous last words but i think there's a talent difference i think this is a long flight up for independiente um i think this was the leg for the revs to quote unquote struggle and they seem to be in control of this game really from the 10th minute on i can't envision them blowing this in any way shape or form I'm aware this is this clip is going to be cut and posted uh, on Twitter if this is wrong but I expect the revs to win by multiple goals next week um and outside of a uh, you know Philadelphia Union Andre Blake Bizarro own goal like we saw yesterday I can't envision the revs even conceding let alone somehow coming out of this um on the wrong side of the scoreline so uh, I'll take my chances here and say no chance that they blow this Zero, zero, point zero, 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 one chance they blow this.
1: They, they, they should be fine. Uh, you know they were able to get out of there with the result. Uh, like you said, having been the ones that had to do all the travel, now Independiente is going to come all. You know, wow, making even a longer trip. They're going from Panama all the way up to New England. Right, the Revs are only traveling from Florida, uh, so they saved themselves. You know, whatever eight nine hundred miles. Uh, so yeah, it, no, it should be. And I, I, why I mean I I don't why be pessimistic now, like oh, oh we're bored. revs fans we're revs fans like, we're always I mean, pessimistic come on. like it's February <laughs> it's fifteen degrees outside like you know there's plenty of other things to be miserable about
0: well I, I, after the last uh, Champions League performance uh, where they blew a three 0 lead at Pumas I do not blame uh, the pessimism but I think for this one they should be good there really should not be any sort of hiccups next week and I can tell myself I, I feel myself jinxing it. the only way they blow it is if I jinx this so hard um, that they they end up screwing up two bizarro own goals. Um, by the way, uh, George D Metellus uh, I hope I'm saying that uh, if I'm not saying his name pronounce if I'm not saying his name correctly I, I don't think he can hold it against me but I believe George D Metellus uh, at GD Metellus 8 uh, go follow him uh, on Twitter. If you are on Twitter right now, uh, any other things you want to talk about, uh, in the game we covered, I think everything, the only thing I could really, um, want to add is Andrew Farrell and David Romney, uh, very solid in the back. I I think I kind of skimmed over that kind of quickly, but really strong defensive game, which I think has been a bit of a, I don't want to say a question mark, but with Henry Kessler out, uh, it was certainly good to see Farrell and uh, Romney have a, a strong game to start off the year. Outside of that, I don't have anything else uh, game wise to talk about. Anything you want to add here before we move on?
1: Well, you know, talking about, talk about Farrell and, and Romney, you know, I, you know they they looked you know they looked really good. They looked they looked good together, and they played together quite a bit last season. Uh, the only the only thing that is potentially a little bit concerning is you know if, if Kessler isn't able to participate. Uh, Saturday or next Thursday or maybe even the Saturday after that. You know, you—that's a bit of a, a, a tricky situation for them to, to navigate uh, with Farrell and and Lima. You know, I, I don't think you can really ask Farrell to play four games uh, between now and uh, between now and next Sunday. So hopefully Kessler is is able to to at least make an appearance. You know, maybe it's it's maybe a half an hour on Saturday. And uh, then maybe they can try and get him close to the full game on, uh, you know, the, the the second leg of this thing next Thursday. Uh, that, that's really the only concern, you know. Romney, Romney looked, uh, you know, solid and and unbothered by anything as always. Uh, I, I thought Farrell, you know. People like to criticize Ferrell. I thought Ferrell actually picked out uh, several uh, really nice passes. Where again, you know, Lima was was given with on the right, and he he was able to play some split passes and get the ball into the center. You know, in particular, get it get it in a Nacho a couple times. Uh, so yeah, no, I thought the two of them looked really good. And it's just a matter of you know, can they get through these four games and get and get Kessler back involved uh, somewhere along the way? Otherwise, you know, that could be that could be a little tricky. And uh, you know, ho- hopefully, Lima starts to look, uh, you know starts to look a little bit better as you know as as time goes on
0: before we move on to the end of the podcast and we wrap up here today there was a trade today i want to touch on it very fast tom you can space out if you don't want to talk about mls crypto Uh, but we did get some questions about it before the game the revs traded uh two international roster spots and uh to the la galaxy and they received three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of general allocation money and we got some questions about what exactly that means um, why they would do such a thing. Um, and we've, I want to say we've skimmed over the off season, but not a whole lot happened. So we weren't covering a, a ton of things that happened over the off season. Uh, but there have been a number of kind of minor trades. The revs have done. They traded Jordan out Smith, uh, to Minnesota, and they received $125,000 worth of gam. Uh, they received hundred thousand dollars of gam, uh, for their first and third super draft picks. Um, they also traded gam, uh, Seventy-five thousand dollars in 2024 gam and 100k in 2025 gam to Charlotte for an international slot. Uh, they got 150 thousand dollars worth of gam for discovery rights for two players. Uh, and they and today they make three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of gam uh, from two international roster slots. Every team gets eight international roster slots. Um, basically, they're for players that are not domestic or they don't have a green card. Some players like Carlos Hill and Giacomo Vrioni have received a green card and they no longer occupy an international roster spot. Basically, these moves are done when you're not going to use an international roster spot. And I haven't done a complete roster breakdown, but I I don't think, uh, so they've traded three away. I think they have five internationals on the roster, so they don't have any extra to trade. But essentially, these are assets they're not using. And and basically, they're receiving uh, allocation money back. What does allocation money do? Um, The short of it, essentially, is it basically expands your cap. Uh, if you didn't listen to my uh, salary budget podcast from last summer, where I talked about what the revs outlook looked like going into the uh, summer window. um, The way I kind of look at it is uh, your salary budget plus uh, your GAM plus your TAM that equals about $10 million in assets you can spend. So the revs here have acquired, I think it was around 900,000 worth of GAM. I'd have to do the math, but essentially what that is doing is it's expanding your cap, eight or 9%. So essentially the revs are creating cap space. And even though they don't have an international roster spot, assuming they don't go out and acquire another international roster spot, or assuming uh, that they don't move on from one of their current international players, um, it's probably going to be a domestic player, but they do have some room to go out and make a big splash in the summer. So we had some questions about what exactly this move means, why they would do these moves. um, And are they limiting themselves by trading, um, international roster spots. Uh, I, I do think it does limit them a little bit if they want to look internationally, but they can always trade for one midseason if there's a team not using one. Um, or as I say, get rid of someone off of their roster, uh, to create that spot. So, uh, but essentially it's just creating extra cap space. And I won't dig into too much more details before I bore everyone, uh, including Tom. Sorry, Tom. Uh, no, I mean, it, <laughs> it,
1: I mean, look, it is good if you're not going to use the international spots and, and someone else wants to, you know trade you what is effectively cap space Uh, you know you know i think that makes a lot of sense and they they still they have one senior roster spot open so that that means they could potentially you know they they could bring a player in without having to send anybody back out Uh, and if they've got cap space to play around with you know maybe they Maybe they wait around until July and see if any, you know, American, uh, you know, any U.S. players or, or players with a green card become available, uh, you know, when the the European and, and most other leagues around the world, you know, their season's end and contracts come up. Or maybe they look for a team that, you know, slips outside of playoff contention, as, as hard as that is to do, by July. Um, and, you know, and, and try and bring somebody else in there. So I, I think it's smart. I mean, Porter's in his first year, so now he's got, He's got an open roster spot. Uh, he's got some cap space to play around with. So I think when he gets to the point where he feels like he can identify what the team, uh, you know, what the team needs, then it, you know, it sounds like they have a good ability to go out and acquire it. You know, there's a lot of players. If you look at the, the, uh, you know, the salaries that come out once a year from the the MLS Players Association, you know, there's a good amount of players that could potentially fit into. You know, having that much, you know, nine hundred thousand, uh, there's, you know, there's a decent amount of players that could fit into uh, into that salary level. Um, so yeah, I think it's good to to have options for them to go out and get the type of player that they think they need to get
0: and them pursuing uh, Albert Elise uh, and that kind of falling through, that looked like that was going to be a TAM level type of signing. So we already know they have that type of money. Uh, They're adding money on top of it. And the other thing that they can do, because you mentioned the one roster spot, the other thing you could do is you can accumulate GAM. And then if you need to ship out a player that is just doing nothing on your roster, you can throw some GAM, attach that to the player kind of as a poison pill. It's not really the best thing to do to pay to get a player off your roster. But if you need the roster space, you know, attach $250,000 to, I'll just throw out a name, Tommy McNamara, who doesn't exactly have any major role on this team, attach two hundred and fifty dollars or $300,000 worth of GAM to send them out, get the roster spot. There's it, it adds some creativity for the summer window. And right now, there's not a lot of creativity on the roster space. So at least they have the creativity uh, money-wise. I will say we did get some comments from people that wanted me to do a podcast, uh, uh, kind of projecting where the team was. Uh, money-wise, cap space-wise, like I did in the summer last year. It didn't make sense to do that this year um, in the winter because salaries change. Um, it's a lot easier when we get the MLS salary data. So I will do that uh, in the summer when we get the MLS salary data to kind of project where the team is. So some people have an idea of what to expect going into the summer window. But right now, it, it was I would have had to have made too many um, assumptions and guesses at what it was, and um, I, I didn't want to go down that path. So
1: but uh, there's there's no some... way
0: there's no way to really know is there like what what they actually
1: have in terms of cap space and to, no. like I really wish they would make that all of it. I think it would actually make it I think it would make talking about MLS a lot more interesting if you could sit here and say, okay, because you can do this with the NBA, right? You can talk about very specifically this is how much roster space they have, this is the type of contract that this player is eligible for, they have this guy, they have his bird rights. Uh, you know, it, all this stuff is known. And I think that creates a lot of especially around like trade deadline time. There's a lot of interesting conversations that, that, that you can have. Whereas here, it seems like you might be able to get the salary half, but the other half of it, you know, you're, you're totally in the dark.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, you can take the MLS salary data, but there are still like agent fees and stuff like that, that sometimes might not be reflected in that data. And those kind of tie into the equation. Uh, It used to be, I don't know if this is still the case, but GAM rolled over. I assume it is. uh, But you don't know how much GAM rolls over year to year, how much TAM rolls over year to year. So there's a bit of a mystery there in terms of, you know, allocation money. I'll have to reread all the rules because the rules, of course, change year to year to add on to the complexity of it. But you, um, you can kind of guesstimate kind of the situation teams are in if you follow everything and you look at every trade and everything you can kind of get an educated guess on on where to go and so i'll I'll try to do that again this year but like you said there's there's salaries change year to year. We don't know what Kessler's salary figure is coming into this year because he just signed a new contract. Uh, so we don't know what Sean Collet, Oh, Sean is a designated player, so we know what his cap is. But, um, you know, any player that's new, Jonathan Mensah, we don't know what his, his salary figure is. Uh, we don't know what Kessler's figure is. We don't know what Ravas's figure is. There's a, n- a number of variables that we would essentially just be throwing, you know, a yeah. random number out there. So it, it's too complicated at this point. But once the MLS releases their salary data, and I will say, too, it, it's a lot more transparent than where it used to be. It used to be that when a player would be traded, it was for an unknown amount of allocation money, so at least we know what players are going for these days. I remember, um, I think it was Charlie Davies was traded to Philadelphia, uh, and we for allocation money, and it wasn't known exactly what what they got for him, you know. Um, same thing with uh, when we traded for Kai Kamara, no idea what we spent to get Kai Kamara that year, uh, so th- that was a, a rule change. So hopefully, MLS goes in that direction, and at some point, it is transparent. And we get to see everything. Apparently, Miami was in uh, cap hell a, cu- a couple of weeks ago, and they weren't compliant, which is so unlike them. Uh, but you know, uh, they had to sell off a player to become uh, cap compliant before the the season start date. So um, th- that's something that MLS GMs know. But you know, if Tom Bogart of the Athletic doesn't report it, we have no idea. So I, I also think a lot of people are interested in that type of stuff now. And as MLS grows, I think people want to know you know what to expect from their teams. So um, hopefully, someday we get more transparency from. MLS, but um, I highly, highly, highly doubt that. So um, with that being said, uh, I should also note some changes uh, in the show coming into this year. Tom, uh, you and Andy Judd are going to be joining the show as co-hosts this year. So uh, Sean and I are very excited to have you on. So I think the four of us mostly primarily will be on the show throughout the year, post-game, any uh, other extra podcasts. Uh, The Blazing Musket does plan on doing their Apple TV interviews throughout the year. uh, So those will be done uh probably more so in the summer uh when when the schedule kind of gets a little bit more uh, evened out not not with this congestion early on but uh we expect them to do some more of that as well uh so big things happening here very exciting things and one other thing i think last year one of the more frustrating things uh, about this show was we're on five or six different platforms and we used to go and uh, ask uh, you know, for questions on every single platform. And uh, truth be told, it just got too much. We started missing questions. Uh, it, it was too much to go everywhere. So um, we're going to probably, for the time being, just stick to Twitter or X uh, for listener questions, which is where I would say 90% of our questions come from. Uh, so if you are on another platform and you would like to send in a question, uh, get on Twitter. If you don't want to be on Twitter, you can email us at revolution at gmail.com anytime throughout the week. We'll see that question. Um, hopefully uh, before we record a, for a post game podcast like this, we probably won't do that, but you can email us at revolution at gmail.com if you have a question. Uh, but outside of that, I think we're going to be sticking to Twitter uh, and see how that works and Um, If people revolt, uh, maybe we'll change it. But for now, um, you know, you know, it's it's 1123 right now going on five different platforms uh, and responding to questions and making sure I got every single question. Uh, Got to be too much. Uh, So those are the uh, housekeeping notes that we will leave you with here as we start our 2024 season. Tom, before we go, I should ask, uh, do you have a favorite quote from The Departed? (laughs) Uh uh
1: i think the the one where um they I think it's right in the beginning of the movie where they they shoot the guy and the woman in the back of the head and uh he says oh she fell funny um that that's probably my most of what is said in that movie is is not repeatable but um that yes. oh you know no, no no you know what it is it's um uh <laughs> he asks him he's like who are you and, and he's like um I, i'm the guy who does his job you must be the other guy yes I've, I've used that
0: before. It doesn't that go over is, too well, but it's, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> do you say that at work? Is that why it doesn't go over well? Man, you, no wonder yeah, you yeah. have so many yeah. arguments at work. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Shankalé yeah. is the employee of the year compared to you, Tom. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I actually tweeted that one out. Uh, I, I, I was going through departed quotes and uh, most of them I can't say. I'll tweet them out, but I won't say on the podcast because I'll have to add an explicit tag and um, I, I don't want it to get a little too uh, R-rated. I know we already had that with an R- the uh, RFC podcast a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. You
1: already you're already threatened to jump uh, Don Garber. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> he does hate America. See what he's doing. Oh, should we talk about the Open Cup? Only eight teams. Do you have a reaction? Meh?
1: Which eight teams? I, I don't actually know. Just ran out of a hat.
0: I don't know. I think it's the one with the least schedule congestion. I, I don't know. It's all very stupid. <laughs> Just send your reserve team. Why do you need a, to make a that's show how of you it? you
1: qualify for a cup now? I don't your, know. Your schedule is is one of the eight uh <laughs>
0: least congested. You're not doing anything Vancouver. Go oh, play in the US yeah. Open. Oh, I guess it wouldn't be Vancouver. Oh, that was a stupid oh, Boy, that was dumb. Uh Colorado. Colorado go play in the US Open Cup. Um I don't know. Apparently I, I for those that don't know, uh apparently over the weekend uh, news broke that MLS essentially was holding the U.S. Open Cup hostage uh, and threatened to withdraw. And as a result, USSF was wondering if it was even worth playing, uh, which uh, did not sit well with many USL teams. Uh, hopefully the U.S. Open Cup stays. Uh, we like the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but truth be told, I-, I think it's at the point now where uh, for MLS, it's the lowest priority uh, on the schedule. But just so, you know, all these MLS teams have reserve teams at this stage. Just send your, your reserve kids. You don't need a, to make it a rule. Uh, just they do you it know, anyway. Let the teams decide. Just let the teams decide what teams they want to roll out.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I went to the, the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, I went to the Pittsburgh game last year, and it's like, this is Revs too, anyway. So what? You know, no offense, to anyone that played in that game. Uh, but you know, it's like, what? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. All right, they should just tell them, look, guys, just, just do what you get. Do what everyone else. Do what they do in in England, right? England has two cups. God, can you imagine? Uh, you know, they have they have two cups and, you know, they just tell them, look, you know, do do whatever you want for the, that League Cup game in August. So if you get yourself knocked out of it quick enough, no one will even know that you're in it. Um And then, you know, if you get to the quarterfinals, semifinals, OK, fine. Then you want to take it seriously. Like, it's not it's not that hard. Mm
0: mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Well, we actually, I I will plug our Jeff Lorenowitz interview from a few years ago, but he played on a few different teams. And I remember we asked him, said, how seriously is the U.S. Open Cup taken? And like, did that change from team to team? And I remember I'd have to go look up the exact quote, but he said, you know, some take it really seriously and some win a couple of games and you kind of look around and you're like, yeah, I guess we're going for it now. Uh, So I, I, I think there's kind of a different kind of feeling throughout the league. But, you know, if you're, if you're one of these bottom teams, you know, you're, you're going for, it. like, why wouldn't you go for it? If you were, I don't know, who, Chicago Fire. You know, and you're having a miserable season. You know, wouldn't you want a good run in the U.S. Open Cup? I mean, what else you would should. you to play for? So maybe yeah. they should push U.S. Open Cup later in the year, so the bottom feeder teams actually have something to care about midseason instead of just you know writing it out and waiting for uh, for them to miss the playoffs. But I don't know. The whole thing uh, is, or, or you know, yeah, it is. Or you know, or you know, God forbid that
1: they. um <sighs> You know, they can look at the, the FA Cup, right? The FA Cup third round every year. Uh, you know, the the Premier League takes a break for that weekend and it you know they make they make the FA Cup third round the centerpiece uh of, of that weekend, and that's when you know that's when all the Premier League teams come into the competition. So I feel like if MLS really wanted to, they could have they could have done something like that. They could have done something to embrace it and make a big deal about of it you know and and give a weekend over uh you know to to the US Open Cup uh, they also could have tried to say hey look you know we're, we're not really happy with how this gets broadcast and packaged you know it gets packaged and all this other stuff okay then fine then then bring it you know bring it in house to apple which is you know they they're trying to suck every single form of you uh, soccer in this country into that one medium so bring the US Open Cup in there and 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 have your You know, they've got, what, 80 personalities that are employed uh, by Apple now. So, you know, bring them in, get them on the broadcast. Uh, They really could have done something to turn this around. Uh, But instead, they've decided that they're just going to try and kill it off. They're going to act like they're above it. Uh, they went and, and you know they went and invented a tournament that nobody nobody wanted, nobody asked for, nobody really cares about. I and mean, you want to talk about a tournament that nobody cares about until they get to the semifinal? The league's cup is the is the textbook <laughs> definition of a tournament that no one cares about until it's like, oh well, okay, I guess we're still here and whatever this thing is. And the only reason you don't want to get knocked out of the league's cup is that if you get knocked out, you don't have a game to play for three weeks. I mean, it's like
0: yeah, anyway. It would- I, I like League Cup. Sc- I, I actually did Come not hate League Cup. I didn't hate it. It was fine. I, I will you, say. Did you sit in Gillette Stadium? No. Did you sit in
1: your own stadium and listen and and like they acted like we were the away team? Mm-hmm. It was the stupidest thing that I have ever seen. Everyone mm-hmm. here is ninety percent of the people here are a Revs fan. It's in Gillette, right? The the fort the fort wasn't cheering for the other team, and we're gonna sit here and pretend like we're we're in Mexico.
0: Like. I, I, I'm, so- I'm not saying it wasn't stupid. I'm saying I enjoyed it. <laughs> Big difference. I will also say this. I think we figured out how to save the U.S. Open Cup. Here's what you do. People are worried about viewership ratings, not generating enough money. Here's what you do. You give the U.S. Open Cup to Tubi. <laughs> and every single game is commentated by George D. Matillas. Yes. Every game he freestyle raps. Every single person would turn into Vermont Green versus FC Tulsa or whatever, if you have George D. Metellus, the greatest play-by-play commentator ever on every single U.S. Open Cup game. It could be at 5 in the morning. You're going to get sky-high ratings. More people will watch that than... than, uh, It would be must-see TV. It would appeal to all ages, all demographics. It would bring in fans to watch It would unite the country. It would create world peace. So
1: we would just I, find all of our differences just don't really matter anymore. Yes. And they would all just melt away. We would
0: all um, unite behind George D. Metellus. It's um, a great name. It's a phenomenal name. And Did I you say it correctly? I, have, I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's had his name imp- pronounced incorrectly so many times in his life that every time he does a game at random, he just picks a player and says, this guy, this guy is going to experience my life for the next 90 minutes. I'm going to intentionally pronounce his name incorrectly.
0: And I'm going to make sure everyone knows David Romney is related to Mitt. That's, that's <laughs> the other thing. Devious scheme. Um, let's wrap this up. It's getting late. It's 1130. It's past our bedtime. We're at about an hour. It's getting into a crazy season. You can follow us on Twitter or X or whatever at revolution recap. Also follow us revolution recap on Instagram threads, blue sky, Facebook, anything we're there uh so make sure you go follow us on social media be sure to follow our friends over at the blazing musket as well at blazing musket on twitter and make sure you subscribe to their sub stack to receive every piece of news in your email inbox whether or not it's a free or paid subscription also be sure to follow our friends at the rebellion uh, at the Rebellion on Twitter, or go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can become a member for the 2024 season. Uh, and of course, thank you to our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. Remember to use our promo code LEAVE for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, and of course, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening. And if you could please rate and review us five stars, it will help people looking for revolution content and find it all year long. Although I think we might be converting to a George D. Metellus podcast after this episode. <laughs> Forget the revs. Forget Frioni, forget Caleb Porter. Uh, We're all about George D. Metellus. So uh, we'll be back uh, following the weekend game against D.C. United, the MLS opener. Hopefully, George D. Metellus is on the call. But regardless (laughs) of he is or not, we will be here. So until then, thank you, everyone, for listening. And go Revs.